Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. But Christmas time is one of my favorite times of the year because there's the twinkling of lights on the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree is adorned. There's the mistletoe in shops, which gives me uh, opportunity to kiss my fro. There's Boney M, there's Michael Buble, there's Pentatonics in all of the malls on repeat. I know, I know, businesses are closing on Christmas break. We're finishing. There's ESCOM load shedding once again, stage two, stage four, stage six. I'm joking, it's okay. Do not panic, it will be okay. But there's a particular time of Christmas which I wait for the entire year. Now, I know there's a group of people in the room who know exactly what I am talking about. We're preparing for this day, the whole year. We're getting lean, we're getting mean, and I am talking about the Christmas meal, everybody. Mm. Yes, right now, people are just picturing the gammons, honey and mustard glazing, the chicken on the braai, the pup and chakalaka, and then we unbutton our belt one notch. And then we unbutton our belt two notches. And then we chuck the belt away and we'll find it in the new year. That's basically how Christmas lunch goes. But Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year. But I know for some, it can be a little bit complicated. It's what your mom calls family dynamics. And that's just a code word when she elbows you in the ribs about family drama. Don't mention grandma's Christmas sherry for the third time. There's a couple of things which can be complicated, but I do know that for some, Christmas is joyous. It is a time where we get to celebrate family, we get to celebrate what God has done, but for others, it can be a difficult time. It can be a lonely time, it can be a time where actually it brings up a whole bunch of things. And so for some, Christmas lunch, Christmas meal, is actually about family chaos. It's about all those things that you don't want to remember. It's about all those dynamics which you just want to forget, that you just want to enjoy the meal, but all these things come up. It's the boyfriend who wasn't invited and is now in every family photo on Christmas. It's the weird recluse uncle who has to mention 5G and every COVID conspiracy theory at the dinner table. It's the vegan aunt whose Brussels sprouts can't be in a whiff of the gammon or it will be disaster. It's the screaming child who did not get the right Barbie or the right Spider-Man in their presence. But then it's also the divorced grandparents who won't talk for 10 years. It's the husband who's on his third brandy and coke because he had to take out a loan to pay for the Christmas presents under the tree. It's the daughter who wears a jersey in the summer heat because she doesn't want people to see the scars. It's the mother who doesn't want to, anyone to ask about her son who has gone to a rehabilitation center for the third time. It's maybe the wife who just lost her husband to cancer or something the like. See, Christmas is this time where it can be either a joyous time or it can bring up pain and hurt. And if we focus on those things, if we focus on the pomp and ceremony, if we just focus on the meal and focus on all of that, It will do nothing to bring us hope and joy. And I want to remind us, I'm going to do one simple thing this morning, is remind us of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our source of hope and who is our source of joy. No matter whether you have a plethora of things on the table or you just have one rand in the bank account, I want to remind you of your Savior, Jesus Christ, because He is perfect, He is enough for you, and He came into the world to bring redemption and to bring restoration. So the reason why we can find our hope in Him 
is simply this. It's not because we worship some distant deity from afar, but because he lowered himself and he came in human form to experience every trial and every temptation common to mankind, and he overcame them on the cross. That is why we can worship our Savior this morning. And as we move towards Christmas, I want to remind us about who Jesus is. And that actually, just like us, Jesus had family chaos. Now, you may not think that, but in Jesus' family line, in his family tree, it was messy. It was full of sinful, broken people, full of chaos. And that is why we can find our hope in Jesus Christ, because why he came to redeem that chaos. He came to redeem that brokenness. He came to redeem that sin. And we can walk in that fulfillment, that victory, and find our purpose in our Savior, Jesus Christ. So my question to you this morning is, who is Jesus to you? And where do you find your purpose? Those two questions, who is Jesus to you? And where do you find your purpose? But I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 1. And we're going to read in Matthew 1 verse 17. And it's probably a passage of scripture which you maybe never read before. Maybe which you've glanced over in your Bibles. Why? Because it's quite a difficult piece of scripture to read. It is the genealogy of Jesus. But it's so important to know if we need to know who our Savior is, we need to know where our Savior came from. That actually God had a plan for us from the beginning. He had a plan to redeem the world from the beginning, and his name is Jesus Christ. So we're going to read in Matthew 1. Please turn to your Bibles, get your phones out with your Bible app, but it will be on the screen behind me. It says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. If you're taking notes, these are great names for children right now. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Now you know why we skip over this part in the Bible. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheotil, Sheotil the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abuhud, Abuhud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Eluhud, Eluhud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I pray that we will see your purpose in our story. Father, I thank you that you sent your son for a purpose and a plan and for each and every one of us, Lord, that no matter our brokenness, no matter our circumstances, no matter our lack, Lord, that you came into this earth 
to redeem us, to restore. But I pray that we will draw close to you as you draw close to us this morning, Lord. That your name will be praised, that the name of Jesus will be lifted high in this place, Lord. But that we will know that you are enough for every situation, for every circumstance, that your grace is sufficient for us. And that as we head towards Christmas, that we will cling onto you, our living hope, Lord, our living hope, and that we will glorify you in every circumstance. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Now, you may be wondering, why did I read that beautiful list of Hebrew names? But actually, it's so important. Why would Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, start his gospel, start the New Testament with this list? Why are lists important? Well, Matthew is trying to accomplish a couple of things here. But basically, he is trying to show the Jewish people that Jesus was always the promised Messiah, that Jesus was always the plan, because the Jewish nation had followed God for many years, but they had forsaken God for different idols. They had gone their own way. They had tried to make themselves the king of their lives. And they had forgotten God's promises. But Matthew is reminding them that actually God had a plan and a purpose for that nation and a plan and purpose for us since the beginning of time. And so he's making two different claims here. Firstly, that Jesus is the son of David. Well, why is that so important? Because David was the king of all kings in Israel. He was the king who led Israel to its greatest heights. He is the warrior king who slayed Goliath. He is the warrior king who freed Israel from so many of their enemies. And it is promised that Jesus or the Messiah would be from the line of David. So the nation of Israel is waiting for this incredible king, just as we would wait for that incredible king. And then Matthew is making another claim that it's from the line of Abraham. It begins with Abraham, the father of faith, the man through whom all blessing would derive, that God's promise would be from Abraham and that Jesus would be the fulfillment of that promise. And so we see from the very beginning that Matthew is linking Jesus to these two incredible figures. And we need to know that actually Jesus came into earth. He came as a human form. Why? Not as the warrior king that people thought not as this king riding into battle, but born in a manger. Come low so that that he could experience every trial, every temptation common to man, and so that he could redeem it. But so Matthew is doing this thing where there's 14 generations on each leading to Jesus. And the 14 is so important because the number 14 is actually the numerical value of the name David in Hebrew. And so Matthew is crafting this text and he's trying to tell you and trying to tell the Jewish reader and listener, actually look at this, look at what God has been doing since the beginning. Look at this plan that he is weaving. Look that he is the perfect author and that he always had a plan for your story. And so when we read this list of names, we start thinking about who these people are, but actually God used each and every one of them for his glory and for his purpose, leading to the person of Jesus Christ. And so God, in his infinite glory and wisdom, chose to work through mankind for his purposes. He chose to work through ordinary people who were broken, who were sinful, for his kingdom, for his plan, and for his glory. And the amazing thing is that he still works through each and every one of us today. Just like we are broken, just like we are sinful, God is still working. This Christmas, there is hope, there is peace, there is redemption. Why? Because God is still working and active. And we can take hope in that. 
And so, but the history of God's people is that they chose to disobey God at every turn. They forsook God for idols. They forsook God to worship other foreign gods. And that is so important. Why? Because our hearts are just the same. When we read these lists of names, we can actually just kick out and say, well, what does that have to do with me? But we are just like these people. We need to remind ourselves that God came into the earth to redeem us because we were wretched, we were broken, but now we have life and life in abundance. Why? Because of who Jesus Christ is. And so when we read this, it's not just a list of names. It's actually seeing Jesus in every page that every part of the Bible is pointing towards our Savior. Why? Because we need him. We need him in every part of our lives. We need him in every circumstance. No matter whether we are addicted, no matter whether we are broken, we need Jesus. And so it says this in 1 Peter 1 verse 18 to 20. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. He was chosen before the creation of the world to redeem you. Your story, your family heritage, your family brokenness, your cycle of addiction. He was chosen before the creation of the world for you, for me. See, we need to know that God uses imperfect people for his perfect purposes. He wants the glory in your story, but will you allow him to get the glory? See, God uses imperfect people for his perfect purposes purposes. He uses ordinary men and women who are sinful, ordinary men and women who are flawed. Why? Because we need Jesus Christ. And without Jesus, we will always fall short of the glory of God. But as we look at some of these names, don't worry, I'm not going to go through all 40 names. I'm just going to pick a few, but we're going to see that actually Jesus was always the plan A, that God used ordinary men, but why? Because they always pointed towards a Messiah who would fulfill the promises of God, who was perfect, who was blameless, who was spotless. And we need that same God this morning. Firstly, Abraham. Now we think of Abraham as the father of faith. We think of him as this perfect man. But Abraham was a liar. Two times, Abraham declared that his wife was actually his sister. And then they would take her. But actually, why did he do that? Well, if he said that she was his wife, in those days, basically, a man could not claim another person's wife unless, by some chance, they met an ill fate and just had to pass away in the night. And so Abraham lied to cover himself and lied to cover his family. But Abraham is a liar. Then we see Jacob. Jacob's name literally means deceiver. It's as plain as day. He deceived his brother out of his birthright. He deceived his father out of the blessing. He deceived his father-in-law when he stole all of his sheep and uh, went in the middle of the night. But what does God do? God changes his name to Israel, which means governed by God. See, God is always in the story. He's taking the brokenness. He's taking the mess of people, and he's using it for his glorious purposes and his glorious plans. See, God is working in your story, Life Changes Church, but it will be for his glory, and his glory is greater than anything in this world. Then we see Judah. Judah was so filled with jealousy that he sold his brother Joseph into slavery and put him in a pit. That is what Judah is known for. Then he goes one further and he sleeps with his daughter-in-law who he mistakes for a prostitute. 
Now just take a moment there. <laughs> he mistakes his daughter-in-law, who he had spent many, a lot of time with, for a prostitute. And then he sleeps with her. And then that just continues the cycle of brokenness. This is the family lineage in Jesus' bloodline. Jesus doesn't try and wash over this or get rid of it. He comes to redeem it. That is the power of the gospel, and that is the hope that we have today. Then we see David. Now, you think, oh, David is this amazing warrior king. He's handsome. He's dreamy. He's going to lead us all into battle. Well, yes, but David was also an adulterer. He sent Uriah to the front lives lines to be murdered so he could have Bathsheba. So he was also an accessory to murder, so he was a murderer. But he is the king who God chooses to work through. He is the king whose line will lead to Jesus. And God takes that person, that man who is after his own heart, that man who wants to serve God, but also is broken, also is flawed, and he takes that man and he says, I'm going to do something great with that story. Then we see Solomon. Solomon, the wisest man of all. But idolatry under Solomon was at an all-time high. Israel was at its lowest point under Solomon. Then we see the king Jehoram. He killed all six of his brothers to make sure that there was no competition to the throne. He's in Jesus' lineage. He killed six of his brothers. Just like that. Klar, Dwit. But he's in Jesus' bloodline. Then we see Manasseh. Now, Manasseh was pure evil. He, was, he uh, worshipped sorcery. He sacrificed his own son to worship a false god and to worship sorcery. That's Manasseh. He was a man of pure evil. But see, God did not use these men because of their righteousness. He used these people in spite of their sinfulness. God does not use us because of our righteousness. He uses us in, in spite of our sinfulness because Jesus is the righteousness. And we are clothed in his righteousness. And we need to know that we are sons and daughters of the God Most High. And that we don't walk with earthly authority, but we walk with the authority of heaven. And we know that his plan and his purposes will reign on high and he will work in and through us for his glory. And we can rest easy and we can have peace this Christmas and hope this Christmas. Why? Because Jesus has done it on the cross. And we get to celebrate that this Christmas. But look at this list of people. There's murderers. There's adulterers. There's idolaters. There's sexual immorality throughout. But would you put yourself on the list? I know I wouldn't put myself on this list. Leading towards Jesus. Leading to, towards his throne. But God does. God puts you on the list. God works in and through you during this time. And it's all for his glory. We see four women in this list, four women in the genealogy leading up towards Jesus. Do you know how important and how special that is? See, Jewish men in that time would pray this prayer. They would pray to God and say, thanks be to God that I was not born a woman, a beast, or a Gentile. Each and every morning they would pray that prayer. God comes for the excluded and includes us into his story, into his purposes. See, Matthew is highlighting that Jesus came to redeem the lost, to redeem the broken, to redeem the excluded, each and every one of us. He didn't choose to identify Jesus with the uh, matriarchs of faith, 
with Rachel or Leah or Sarah. He chose to identify them with people who weren't even Jewish. See, it shows how God takes the unlikely people and he uses them for his plans and his purposes. Firstly, we have Tamar. She's Judah's daughter-in-law who slept with Judah, who dressed as a prostitute. Why? Because there was brokenness and a cycle of sin. But she gave birth to two boys. One was called Zerah, and it means breaking dawn. And we think that we actually want a king who will come like the breaking dawn, who will come like a warrior king into our story and redeem. But the other was called Perez, the child of breakthrough. And that's who Jesus is in our story. He is the child of breakthrough coming to redeem your chaos and your brokenness. If you need a savior this morning, find it in the person of breakthrough who is Jesus Christ. Then there's Ruth, who was a Moab, a Moabite. Now all Moabites were born in incest. They come from a lineage of incest. They were not part of the plans of God. They did not worship the God of Israel. But God uses this woman who was after his own heart, this woman who chose to worship God, this woman who was gracious, this woman, and puts her in Jesus' lineage. She was not supposed to be there. Then we have Rahab, the prostitute, who wasn't an Israelite in the lineage of Jesus. And then we have Bathsheba, who David stole who David sent her husband to the front lines to be killed, that same woman who was caught in adultery is in the lineage of Jesus. Who would write the story? I wouldn't. I wouldn't include these people in Jesus' lineage. But it's not up to me. That's the amazing thing. It's up to our God whom we serve because he uses the lowly things of this world, the broken, the dejected, the despised, the disqualified. Why? For his glory and his purposes in your life. See, that is who we serve. What a messed up family tree. What a tragic spectacle. But the amazing thing is that Jesus was always the plan A. See, maybe what is your family heritage this morning? What has been passed down to you? Maybe it's years of alcoholism. Maybe it's financial ruin. Maybe it's that thing that happened in your family so long ago that you don't want anyone to find out. I want to tell you, bring it to your Savior, Jesus Christ, because He wants to bring redemption, He wants to bring healing, and He wants to bring restoration to you. See, if Jesus had such individuals as His forebearers, broken and sinful humans, it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus has such individuals as His followers. We don't need to be perfect. See, Jesus didn't come to, to save ideal people. He came to save actual people. You are not an ideal person. I am not an ideal person. But Jesus came to save me. Why? Because I needed saving. I was broken. I was despised. I was in my wretchedness. I was in my sin. But He came to redeem me on the cross. See, Matthew wants his readers to know that he uses all types of people to move God's plan forward. God's plans and purposes are fulfilled in ways that we would never imagine 
include circumstances that we would never design and include people that we would never include who are normally excluded. I'm going to say that again. God's purposes are fulfilled in ways that we would never imagine, include circumstances that we would never design, and include people that we would never include who are normally excluded. God uses everything to accomplish His purposes. Every part of your story will be used for the glory of God. The brokenness, the things you don't want anyone to know, the heights and the valleys will be used for his purposes. There's this amazing line in the, in the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. It says this, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and fears of all your years are met in Jesus today. Will you bring it to him? Will you allow him to be your redemption? Will you allow him to be your hope? Will you allow him to be your peace? Will you allow him to be your portion? And as we go this Christmas, will you spread the good news of the gospel? That wherever you go, you speak to the wondrous worth of the cross, the wondrous worth of who Jesus is, that he comes to redeem the broken. He comes to redeem the lowly. And that whether you're at your dining table or you're in schools or you're in hospitals, whatever it is, you speak to the mighty worth of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he brings redemption in an instant life changes church. So my question is, would you choose yourself because Jesus chose you. Can, I, can we stand to our feet? We're going to enter into a time of communion this morning. See, this family we call the church, it's a messy family. It's a broken family. But God uses the church to show the manifold wisdom of God. And it includes people we wouldn't choose. It includes experiences that maybe you wouldn't want. And it means facing events that you wouldn't plan. But God wants to use everything for His purposes. Plant yourself in community. Find your hope in Jesus Christ. I promise he is sufficient for you in every circumstance. All I can tell you about this morning is how good Jesus is, that he is enough, that he comes to break chains, he comes to redeem, he comes to bring healing, but he, there is eternity with him. So in Jesus, we have been included in God's purposes and plans. It is only through Jesus Christ that in the chaos of a manger in a stable, where it was dirty, where it was unclean, messy, disordered, he came to bring order, peace, and hope to our messy, unclean, disordered lives. So as we eat this wafer to remind us of Christ's body who was broken, we remind ourselves that our hope is found in Jesus. Right now, remind yourself who Jesus is for you. Remind yourself that he is the King of Kings. Remind yourself that he is the Lord of Lords. Remind yourself that he will get the glory from your story. 
that he came to earth to redeem, to restore, to heal, to point us towards the Father, that it is through him the way the Father is. And so, Jesus, we thank you this morning. I pray right now, Lord, that you will move. Right now, that you will renew minds, Lord. Right now, where there's brokenness in families and cycles passed down of alcoholism, of abuse, of all these things, Lord, that will be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. That in an instant, you came into this earth and it was silent for 400 years, but you came in a cry in the night and you brought hope. Jesus, as we do something simple as drink this juice, we remind yourself, ourselves of your blood that was shed for us. Such a simple act, but so profound that you died for our sins, you died for our brokenness, you died for our shame, and you nailed them to the cross. Fourteen generations, fourteen generations, fourteen generations pointing towards you. That you were always the plan from the beginning. That your blood was always speaking. That your hope was in every situation, even though we couldn't see it. That your hands were at work in every circumstance. That you breathed us into existence, God, and you sent your son to die on the cross for us. That joy and hope came in a manger. How wonderful. I'm just going to ask you to do a simple act today. You know your heart, you know your story. You want to as a sign of faith, once again, choose to follow Jesus. I'm not talking about salvation, but I'm talking about a recommitting to live for Him, to draw down from Him, to rest in Him, to choose Him as your hope and Savior, to declare His beautiful promises, His beautiful gospel, the gospel of good news, to declare this wherever you go, to choose to live for Him, to choose to be a light, to shine for Him, to choose to be a citizen of heaven and not of this earth. If you want to commit yourself to this Savior this morning, won't you just raise your hand and my hand will be raised with you. And I ask you, Jesus, that right now we repent of anything that we need to repent of that we turn away from our sin, we turn away from our old way of living, and we run towards you. We run towards the Savior who came in a manger, the Savior who was born as a lowly king, the Savior who has been in common with every trial and temptation that is common to man. We come to that Savior this morning, and we say that we need you. We say that we are in desperate need of you, Jesus. And right now, I pray that you bring healing. I pray that you bring restoration. I pray that you bring redemption in this room, that there's cycles that will be broken in this room, cycles of addiction, cycles of depression, cycles of abuse, cycles of alcoholism, cycles of financial debt, financial ruin. These cycles will be broken in Jesus' name, that you came to break the cycle of man and you came to redeem us so we hold on to you we hold on to you Jesus we thank you Jesus
Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.